Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 347, How to Keep Engagement Levels High During the COVID-19 Crisis. So today we're going to be talking about how our guest's organisation has achieved and maintained consistently high engagement levels over recent years and what we can learn from that about doing so in these times of crisis. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, which is engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our weekly newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today is Richard Roberts, who's People Director at Pure Planet. Welcome, Richard, or Rich, I think I'm allowed to call you. So um, welcome, Rich. Great to have you with me. Please tell us um, a bit about who you are and um, who Pure Planet are. Yes, um, so I'm Rich. I'm the People Director for Pure Planet. Uh, We are a utility, so we supply renewable energy to the domestic UK customers, if you like. Um, Pure Planet is four years old. Uh, We've grown to a team of 100 now. Um, It's all based on a a digital platform, which means that uh, when it comes to things like remote working, that is not an issue for us. Um, and when the office is open, we're actually based in Bath in the UK. Lovely. So a fairly new organisation, uh, as you say, sort of working in, in some ways uh, for what was the future, which is now the present. <laughs> so um, great to, to have you here to, to talk about uh, engagement within your team, but also particularly you know, at this current time and in, in this new way of working for lots of people. So... Um, but talk a bit about where the uh, you know you've you're, you've won a load of engagement awards. You you went in at um, I believe number two in the um, Sunday Times Best Small Companies uh, list. Uh, tell us a bit about the sort of journey to begin with, and then we'll sort of get into a bit more detail from there. Yes, uh, I mean Pure Planet, as I said, was founded uh, four years ago. Um, so there are three people who decided to set up the business and decided that they wanted to give something back, if you like. Um, so that's where they decided that setting up a renewable energy company comes in, really. Um, so there's a very strong purpose behind the whole organization. Um, and they literally launched four years ago, and we have grown, as I said, um, the size of 100 um, they recruited me right at the beginning of the journey which came as a bit of a surprise um, coming from a HR background um, when there was no employees if you like and I remember <laughs> I remember talking to Andrew the chief exec and saying you know why have you decided to recruit this role so early on um, because I'm going to be drinking a lot of coffee and eating a lot of biscuits and he, he clearly said to me, look, what's really important to this company and the company's success is the culture. 
and it, it's really all about culture first and then the business will follow um, mm. and that's very much kind of the ethos of the whole organization it mm. is all about creating a trusting environment and a trusting culture that people can be engaged motivated and kind of work at their best at mm. what an exciting opportunity I'm, I'm sure there are hr people listening currently who are saying oh my god i wish i could have had that sort of it, that opportunity and, and not come into something that was you know sort of set up and and perhaps not working in uh, in some ways and, and all that sort of stuff that we've many of us experience how did you how did you sort of approach it as you say you sort of you said you started and thought you'd be drinking lots of coffee and eating your biscuits and you didn't really have any staff you've clearly got 100 now and it's happened quite quickly so what how did you did you approach it i mean it was great that you started with somebody with the right sort of attitude leading the the organization but you know what what were, what what were the first things that you wanted to do yeah i, th- I think it's it's important um you know, I've been very lucky that I came in at the beginning. However, that equally had its challenges as, you know, joining a company and inheriting a culture. Um, it, it, it was literally a blank piece of paper. And I think the mm-hmm. first thing was very much to sit down with the three founders and say, right, what sort of company do you want? What, you know, what are the real key things around the principles, the operating principles, if you like? Um, we talked about the importance of having values, um, and that was an interesting debate because you know we've all worked for companies that have had you know values that are kind of on the wall, if you like, and they they all tend to be the same things of honesty, teamwork, and all that kind of stuff. And in many companies, certainly the ones I've worked in, um, they can be a bit meaningless. Um, mm. So we we really talked about what what is the pure planet approach to that and we kind of flipped it a little bit on that on its head and said right you know what what are our values our values is are is all about how we want people to feel about working for the organization so we kind of sat down and said right how do we want people to feel and we came up with five or six things around you know we want people to feel trusted we wanted people to feel that they had a meaningful job and there was purpose to it. Um, we wanted people to feel like they'd be treated equally. And it's those kind of things, those six or seven things that we wrote down that kind of became the principles. Um, now, we never have published those internally, um, but whenever we do anything or any initiative, we do look at those things and say, right, is this, uh, is this in effect, ticking the box on those things mm. and that that was kind of the start point and, and then we just kind of built it from there really that's really interesting that, that you didn't share them I and mean, lots of organizations sort of create you know their their values or whatever and, and get them all stuck up on the wall and you know constantly communicated and, and and then don't actually follow them in lots of cases and you know we talk about organization integrity within the movement around our four enablers and you know quite often that is you know doesn't that isn't done correctly sort of thing. You took a different approach. You identified them, but then you didn't tell people about them. Which, from what I'm hearing, would sort of imply that then they sort of had to be there because you wouldn't know they were there in any other reason. You know, in any other way. You're not telling people they're there, so they've got to feel that they're there. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think you know one of the problems I have with values, and don't get me wrong, I think there is a lot of 
pardon the pun, a lot of value to values, is that they're quite <laughs> prescriptive. They, they, they tell mm. people what to do or tell people how to behave. Um, I suppose this culture is all about being self-managed, all about trust. And, you know, we would never want to tell people what to do. Um, so it's that kind of feeling in terms of, of that, that if you have these you know, very clear values, you, you are kind of telling people that's how we want you to behave. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that was kind of the approach we took. Um, and I, I once worked for a chief exec who said to me, the day we write the values on the wall, Rich, will be the day that we failed. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's, it's very difficult to describe, isn't it, culture and what it means and how to describe it. And it's kind of an instinctive feeling, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the way we would measure it is, is through things like best companies in the survey and just getting feedback from people. Um, mm-hmm. And as we have a very open and honest culture, people do tell us when we're getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And equally, they tell us when we're getting it right. So that's kind yeah. of our, our measurement, if you like, in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, are, are we are we doing what we said we wanted to do? So let's talk a bit more about the Sunday Times Best Small Companies. You were ranked um, or are ranked second in the top 100 for small companies. Why do you think you were ranked so highly. You said you used that as one of your measures. What, what sort of, what's in that? Um, I mean, I suppose the, the backdrop to this is, you know, what what goes into making a a culture that, it, you know, motivates and enables engagement. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Engage the Successful Enablers, so that's had a, a big influence in terms of our thinking. I suppose what we're trying to create is, uh, you know, a real strong sense of purpose. Um, mm-hmm. So that's key. Um, yeah, that sustainable, renewable energy element um, lies at the heart of the organisation. And for me, it's very much also all about creating a sense of belonging, this feeling of being a part of something. Uh, I think that's a real key driver. Now, I know many different things um, go into creating that kind of culture, and it will be different for lots of different organizations. And also, that you know, I wish there was one magic bullet, if you like, um, or some fairy dust you could sprinkle. Um, but, of course, there's not. You know, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of effort, um, mm-hmm. and indeed a lot of trial and error. To, that, for us, is kind of the backdrop. But, you know, what what are the key factors that have gone towards that? I think, I mean, undoubtedly having that strong purpose within the organisation, you know, again, it it lies at the heart. You know, know, we have the clear purpose for us is, you know, building a clean Britain powered by renewables. um, And, you know, Pure Planet has been deliberately named because of that. I think the other key thing... The second key thing probably is leadership style. Um, you know, our senior management team, they're very open, they're very honest, they're very visible. I mean, we're all in open plan anyway when we are in the office. Um, yeah, very little ego, I'd say, um, and a very flat structure. Um, and that kind of, people can see the leaders every day, you know, the leaders... Yeah, are, are there they're very present 
and that you know their their behaviours are reflected in how everybody else behaves, if you like. Mm. Um, and I think the overriding thing is this element of trust, and I think trust is a really key part, a really key driver towards engagement. You know, feeling trusted. Mm. Um, you know, we have very little rules, um, if any at all. We don't have a an employment handbook full of um, policies and guidelines and what you can't do, what you must do. Um, you know, we have things like complete flexibility of work. Um, and the other thing which sometimes raises a few eyebrows is we have unlimited paid holidays. Um, mm -hmm. And the whole thought process behind that is that we trust you to do the right thing. If you work for Pure Planet, we trust you. Um, you know, you're an adult, you can make your own decisions. It's a very self-managed way of working. Um, so that's just a few examples of the way we kind of try and demonstrate that um, mm, yeah. within the organisation. So those are kind of the key elements, I think, that um, went towards, you know, making us number two. Yeah. Of course, we're trying to get to number one next year, so that's <laughs> the challenge. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Didn't want to peak too soon, though. <laughs> so, so we we talked about how you sort of got got in there at, at the beginning, and you've grown in four years to a hundred people. Um, but there's there's often talk about you know how exciting it is to be in a startup, and that you know people say it's it's easier to create these sorts of new cultures and the remote working and everything else in in a, a brand new organisation. And I'm sure you'll give us a view on that. Um, but I'm also interested that quite often what happens with a startup situation is that as you get get older and you're no longer a, a startup per se, that 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 the culture starts to change or that the challenges are different and and what works to begin with doesn't now. Have you found that yet, or is it something that you think won't happen to you, or has and you're dealing with it? What's what are your thoughts around that? Yes, I mean, I think I think the key thing there is uh, I know um, I worked at Virgin for many years, and I, you know one of Richard Branson's things is around once you get to a hundred people, you should split that team off and start again if you like, because a hundred mm. is about you know, the manageable size if you like, and after that, yeah. um, culture might become a bit of an issue to 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 look after. So we're we're at a hundred now. So I mean the, that is you know our key challenge we you know we have doubled in size in 12 months and we plan to double in size again in the next 12 months um so we're now already thinking about that challenge of mm. when we get to 200 how can we maintain um you know our chief exec talks about nurturing and protecting the culture which is a kind of a nice way of, of looking at it um i mean i mean i think there's two key elements for me on that first of all is it's about the strength of your middle management in terms of you know their coaching ability and their people management skills um and we put a lot of focus and attention on that um be it at recruitment uh, be it internal or external or just training and coaching people up to be you know top-notch people managers and I think if you get that middle management layer right, so to speak, then, you know, as you grow, you just create mini teams, if you like, of of the culture. Um, mm. 
that is that is a key aspect. I think the other key aspect is is in in effect internal communications, just making sure that you know as you grow that everybody um, understands what's going on, that everybody's in the loop, everybody feels connected. So at that point, Rich actually got cut off and uh, I busked along on my own for a little while, waiting for him to come back and uh, it wasn't happening. So we've swapped over to Zoom, um, who, which uh, which we love and I, I haven't said anything bad about Zoom, so hopefully we'll be fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so welcome back, Rich. Good to be and, back, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's let's shift to talking about um, what's been happening in, in the last couple of or so, sort of probably three months now since the the COVID-19 crisis sort of hit you mentioned at the beginning obviously that a lot of your people are used to working remotely anyway um, I, I'm quite interested in how you how you sort of do that as a new company and you start recruiting people how you sort of induct and engage people when they're not necessarily on the premises if you like um, already and then it'd be great to talk about you know how it's it's impacted your business currently and then we can talk a bit about you know moving forwards as well so did, did people come in remote in lots of cases already or do they do a bit of both uh, I mean before the crisis if you like I'd say about 80% of people on any given day work from home but mm-hmm. through induction through recruitment induction it's always been done face to face right so that has that has been different um we've recruited and inducted about 10 people over the past two months yeah which has been an interesting challenge i mean i mean we're in a very fortunate position that everything can be done digitally um whereas i know a lot of companies have really struggled with that um because of the nature of what they do Mm. i mean literally um, I think it was the 23rd of March when Boris Johnson said, I think we should all be working from home. You know, the message went out, I think, at four o'clock and then we woke up on the next day and we were all working from home. Yeah. Uh, so it was relatively easy for us, though, of course, the dynamic has changed significantly in that now you've got people working day after day from home. Um, and that has proved to be very challenging for some people and not so challenging for others so there's there's lots of people in different circumstances mm. to a sort of accommodate a wide range of those circumstances yeah because i guess we've got we've got the thing and i've noticed it in my own situation my husband working from home that you have people who really want to enjoy it me being one of them um people who who don't particularly my husband being um, that example um, and then people who would love it but for the fact that they've got you know 25 children at home and a three-bedroom house and no space to do anything <laughs> so I guess it's it's not been as simple as just saying you know work from home you know it's a good thing to do and everything else that like they've had all the added pressures plus the fact that as, as has been said I think I saw something today um, from Canada where the government actually said you know this isn't working from home this is working from home in a crisis which is a a different scenario to be in yeah you have to yeah we've I mean I've become the chief well-being officer uh at Pure Planet which which is um a role that um I'm I'm very happy to, to play and it's about just for me about keeping connected with people understanding their own personal circumstances 
you know, like you said, we've got people who are loving working from home and never want to come back. Um, we've got people like me who are desperate to get back in the office. Uh, I've got two school age kids. So that's been, you know, a bit of a challenge to juggle that. Mm. Um, I think the well-being aspect has been quite significant. Mm. And, you know, the impact of it, we don't really know until everybody gets back into the office, so to speak. No. Happens. Um, I I think that's that's had a mate going to have a major influence on uh, the working world. Um, But I suppose the the good thing about it is it's top of the agenda. Yeah. Uh, So that's good. But of course, it's, you know, dealing with the repercussions um, because you're right. It's not just about working from home. It's overplaying that with with the crisis and the worries and the stresses. And, you know, if you're in a vulnerable category or you've got relatives in that category, um, you know, that is all in the mix, which, you know, I I mean, I'm in a relatively... um, lucky situation in that I have a garden I can go and sit in I don't have any relatives who are in the vulnerable category um though I know you know colleagues of pure planet I've got it much worse mm-hmm. it's just you know making yeah. sure we're looking after people yeah and thing and you know and that's in an organization well used to home working with all the technology in place and the business continuing you just can't imagine how difficult it is in other situations where people are furloughed as well and you know the business is dropping off a cliff and all that sort of stuff it's um it's you know it's, as you say it's just not as simple as, as saying well people are just now working from home instead it's just a bit different there's, there's so much else playing into that isn't there yeah absolutely so one of the things i think that happens with organizations and the, the working from home thing you know we've talked for, for a long time about flexibility and home working and so on and lots of organizations haven't embraced it because they don't trust people and you talked at the beginning of the interview uh, in the first half pre pre zoom <laughs> about how important trust is and um you know lots of companies have had to get over their sort of trust issues in you know one shape or form in this case, do you, do you feel that it was a, an easier transition for you because people know that they were trusted already? I think so, yes. Um, you know, I've worked in organisations where, you know, there is no flexibility of work or if you're, you know, you're asking to work from home because your boiler's broken down and you're waiting for the engineer and that was, you know, completely frowned upon and how that feel, um so yes, I mean that is a basic core thing at Pure Planet. So therefore, the transition has been relatively easy. Um, you know, the interesting thing around it as well is we've looked at productivity because mm. we compare productivity pre and now, and there's been very little difference in terms of that. Um, a little bit down, but the reason why it's been a little bit down is because we're spending more time in meetings, oddly enough. We're doing more team meetings. We're doing more kind of what we call virtual coffee breaks. Mm. A lot of social fun stuff, which is kind of in work time. Yeah. Oh, just to keep, you know, the momentum up, if you like. Mm. So 
we, we've seen very little difference between the two. Um, and now we're kind of planning for, yeah, the next part of, you know, wh when the office does open up again, how are we going to handle that? How are we going to manage that? Um, and we will have people who will want to stay at home until there's, you know, for example, a vaccine, I'm sure. Mm. People who will be knocking on the door on Monday morning at nine o'clock because they're desperate to get back in the office. Um, and how, you know, how do you manage that um, through with keeping everything operationally going? Um, mm. Mm. But it's all, it's all doable. It's just thinking through that from a kind of employee engagement point of view. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you said about having sort of more team building type sort of virtual coffee sort of breaks. It's something that I've noticed with, with my husband. He, he misses the sort of office banter, but he's not the sort of person that would book in a coffee with somebody or go and, you know, reach out to have that conversation. And yet that is what he's actually missing. So to me, that sort of says, you know, as a manager, as a leader, knowing your people, that's the sort of thing you should be doing. And it sounds like you are doing over and above what you would normally do, because those things normally happen naturally in an office, but they don't. Yes. And that's, that's very much the feedback we've been getting is people do miss the banter. I mean, we have um, a Slack communication system, which I'm sure mm. you'll, there's a lot of informal banter stuff on there. You know, we have, groups uh, it, that are in slack channels for example we've got a pure kids channel which is giving top tips on homeschooling we've got a, a dad's jokes channel <laughs> where can put their favorite jokes so i'm now a comic genius in my household and they don't know how that's happened um there's, there's a cheese club which basically they mostly talk about alcohol that goes with cheese but that's fine um yeah. so but I know that there's some people who will join in every single interaction, if you like, and there's some mm. people who won't at all. Mm. And it's making sure that you're covering everybody, if that makes sense. Mm. I mean, for example, that connection part is really important. So the three founders, they have all individually called every single member of staff. Um, and they did that in uh, April. Um, mm. and about to do that again so that's a hundred people that they've contacted just to say how you doing we're just checking in uh, yeah. i do wish we would have warned people though before because <laughs> we had some feedback around <laughs> oh my goodness me one of the founders is calling me am i being furloughed <laughs> yeah can imagine we didn't think that through properly but no. but um so yeah. that doing a second round of that and we have warned people that that is happening and no you're not being furloughed <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it? those sorts of things that you don't you just think you know this is really positive and don't for one minute think the sort of opposite side of it until as you say you get that feedback i can see exactly where you know what, what would have been going through people's minds but uh again the other way from you know your point of view and the, the founder's point of view just you know we're people being nice to people <laughs> Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah. I've, heard it several, I've heard it several times at Pure Planet, and this might be true of the organisations of people listening in. Uh, certainly from my point of view, I know people much better now, I think, than when I was in the office. Yeah. People are sharing more. People yeah. are more open. I don't know whether it's because of, you know, the, the laptop barrier. I don't know. But, 
yeah, that's definitely something that's come out of this is that people are sharing. I mean, you're in everybody's homes every day because you're on mm. the phones. Mm. Um, I think, you know, we, we very early on, we made it um, one of the very few rules that we have is that if children come in and interrupt your calls, let them join in because we want to... Mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. It makes you more interesting. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you promise it won't be on the, the nine o'clock news. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Lovely. So, just to finish then, sort of thoughts have you got? What t- tips have you got for sort of moving forwards from everything that you that you know about the remote working piece? And as you said, the fact that you've got different sort of needs moving forwards of people wanting to come back and other people not wanting to come back what what sort of initial thoughts have you got about how that's going to to play out for you yeah I, I, yeah for me it's it's simple common sense stuff it you know I, I learned a very painful lesson early in my career uh, about assuming what people want mm. um, so it's, it's never assume of course so it's just check in with people uh, find out what they want um, keep connected you know, listen uh, and be empathetic and try and make as many accommodations as you can to um, to accommodate everybody and everybody's in a different circumstance or different place. Mm. Um, so for me, that's key. And then also, I think the key thing I've learned through this process is really helping and supporting those managers that you know are not particularly good at coaching or the people management stuff yeah that that i know that's one of the key enablers of course is having motivated and engaged managers that's key um but when you certainly when you're remote working you you don't have that interaction for example from a hr point of view on a daily basis with the managers you Mm. can see what they're doing you can't go and chat to them you can't you know help them in that context so it's that as well um, is to put in place a lot of support um, to help your middle managers. Mm. Yeah, because I think coaching their people is absolutely key at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and as you say, that that whole well-being piece almost has to come first before the business because yeah. business won't happen if you haven't got that yeah. bit right. Exactly. And you and, and I know, Joe, that you know managers aren't good at that well-being piece. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're under pressure, and I guess you know there's pressure here without the company pressure yeah. at all isn't there and like we say in the sort of crisis scenario so yeah it's um and it's a new way of working for lots of people and so on as well so it's it, yeah like, any support we can give anybody i guess is is key isn't it absolutely lovely thank you so much richard it's been great interviewing you um even with the technology problems we're we're you know we're agile we're able to to adapt yes it's it, we're in the moment <laughs> <laughs> joining me today it's been great talking to you and uh let's get you back on again next year and find out how things are going and when things have gone to whatever this new normal will be <laughs> that's great it's been a pleasure thank you joe and just so you know next week we've got pam mclean who's ceo of hudson uh, the hudson institute of coaching and she's going to be talking to joe moffat <laughs>